Welcome to Calvary Temple Church Podcast. Thank you for listening today. If you haven't subscribed to this podcast yet, please consider doing so. You'll find reference scripture and discussion questions for this sermon in the episode description. We hope this encourages you in your spiritual growth. We've been sharing for a number of weeks along this theme about following Jesus. It's a life like none other. And it seems like everything we look at that following Jesus, it really, really is. But today I want to touch on an area about following Jesus that's maybe different than what we so often think about in following Him. That following Jesus' path of suffering and glory. And looking at that. As we've been sharing about this theme of following Jesus. We want people, we want people to really, really know and get who Jesus is. But how well do you really know who Jesus is? How well? Who do you say Jesus is? And why does that even matter? Because the most important question that you or I will ever answer is not who will marry. And I'm so thankful for who I got to marry. Our question in life is not what we will do. And I'm thankful for the call of God and to be able to be in ministry sharing Jesus with others. But as important as the questions are, who will marry, what will do in life, those kinds of things are, they fail to even compare with the most important question we will ever answer in our lives. Your eternity and my eternity hang on how we answer this question. Absolutely hang on how we answer this question. There are two great stories in the Gospel of Mark. They give us a picture of how vitally important it is for us to get a true understanding of who Jesus is. What's interesting to me when I look at the Gospel of Mark, all the way through the Gospel of Mark, even the disciples are struggling to fully get who Jesus is until after the resurrection. He wants to be so real in our lives. And look with me in Mark 8, 27, and Ruth and Charity were already sharing earlier with us about this passage. But here, this is the turning point in the Gospel of Mark. It's the turning point in the ministry of Jesus. And Jesus and disciples, they went to the villages around Caesarea Philippi, and on the way he asked them, Who do people say I am? The public had all kinds of opinions. They, but many of them, they, they still saw Jesus as some kind of prophet preparing the way yet for the Messiah that would come. And today, when we ask people, who do you say Jesus is? We're going to get all kinds of answers. Some people today would say, well, Jesus is just a legend. There are others that will say, well, he was a good teacher. There are other people that just group Jesus in with other religions. It's just another way to, to, to get to God. But people, we have got to answer the question and get this because that day Jesus looked at his disciples and he said, but what about you? Who do you say I am? And Peter said, you're the Messiah. You're the Christ. You're the one that we've been looking for. The most important question we'll answer. Who is Jesus? Who do you say he is? 
You know, Jesus had called these disciples to follow him. They've been following him now for over two years at this point. And the whole ministry of Jesus is depending on whether they get this or not. If they don't get this, it's like he would have to start all over. There's a fable or a story that's kind of told of some angels talking in heaven. And they're looking at the plan of Jesus to come to earth and be our Savior and die for us. And, and they're saying, you know, this conversation going on, well, what if that plan does, doesn't work? What, what's the other plan? There is no other plan. Jesus Christ is the plan of God and the salvation. He's the Son of God, and He came, and we need a revelation of Him. But the beautiful thing is Matthew in his gospel tells us when, when Peter says, you're the Messiah. Jesus said, flesh and blood didn't reveal that to you. You didn't figure that out on your own. My Father in heaven has revealed this to you. And people, the only way we're really, really going to get Jesus is to just let God show us who he is. I remember when I was searching and asking all kinds of questions about Jesus and trying to get it all figured out, a friend of mine who was a follower of Jesus, he looked at me and he said, Mark, you got to take it by faith. And you know, when I put my faith in Jesus Christ, I got the revelation, I got the understanding, the peace of God, the love of God began to flood my heart. And as I've walked with the Lord, I've learned more and more about Jesus. There's a place where it only comes by revelation. We don't have the capacity to get God all figured out. We just have to trust Him. That doesn't mean He won't teach us. He will. But we're limited. And Jesus says to him, God has showed you this. Can you imagine? This is an incredible moment. The disciples are there with Jesus. And, and the, the disciples, they finally get it. Jesus, you're the Christ. You're the Messiah. You're the one we've been looking for. I mean, there is excitement. You are it. You're not just a prophet. You're the Messiah. Maybe you can remember the moment when you finally got it. When you, when you ask Jesus into your heart and your life and you get it. He is Lord. He's God. And something just comes alive. There's an excitement that happens. Francis Chan has some great videos on the Gospel of Mark. You can see them in Right Now Media. But in one of those, he notes that this is a dramatic turn that happens here right after Peter says, you're the Christ. Wow. And Jesus looks at him. And it says, verse 31, he began to teach them that the Son of Man must suffer many things and be rejected by the elders, chief priests, and teachers of the law, and that he must be killed and after three days rise again. He spoke plainly about this. Peter took him aside and began to rebuke him. When Jesus began to talk about the Messiah and how he was coming. I mean, they're so excited. They're looking at this going, man, you are it. You are everything. And Jesus says, now let me explain something to you. It's the first time that Jesus really begins to unpack for them what is the pathway that he's been called to, to come and follow. And it's a pathway of suffering. 
They don't get this. Peter, when, it, when he begins, he goes, Lord, that, that's impossible. That, that can't be. You don't understand. You're the Messiah. You can't die. You, you're, gonna, you're the conquering one. You've come here. They were expecting the Messiah to come to overthrow all the power of Rome, to bring the kingdom of God, to bless them as the people of God and put his judgment on everybody else. Man, this is the moment. This is the time. You don't get Jesus. You can't die. You're the Lord. You're the Messiah. Peter is just shaking Jesus. Wow. And Jesus turns and looks at his disciples and he rebukes Peter. I touched on this a few weeks ago. He says, get behind me, Satan. You don't have in mind the things of God, but the things of men. He's not getting it. People, Jesus captures it here. Peter, you're thinking about yourself. You're thinking about how you picture it. You're seeing this through your perspective, through your eyes, but you need to see this through God's eyes. People, these are two opposing points of view, the things of men and the things of God. And so often we get a picture of how God needs to act and how God needs to operate and how God needs to move. And we're so focused on that, but we really don't see that God has maybe a whole different plan and a bigger picture that we don't get. We need to understand and we need the Holy Spirit to help us get what are the things of God. Not just be focused on how we want it or how we think it ought to be, the things of men. Peter, Jesus is looking at him and basically saying, you're not thinking about the things of God. You're thinking like a man. You're thinking about yourself, what you want. And Jesus is saying, I came here with another purpose. God's plan includes some must. M-U-S-T-S. Mark 8, notice here in verse 31, Jesus said, the Son of Man must suffer many things and be rejected by the leaders of those who are called the people of God. He's got to suffer. It's part of God's plan. This is not an option. The Son of Man must suffer and be rejected. And then he says this, and he must be killed and on the third day, rise again. Wow. He must suffer and be rejected. He must be killed, but rise again. Wow. That's the plan of God. Peter's not getting it. The disciples aren't getting it. And Jesus says, because you, you've got this picture of how the Messiah will come. You've got this picture of how it's all going to work out. And so often we struggle in following the Lord because we have a picture of how God needs to do it and how God needs to act. And when he does it, we get, wow, all kinds of reactions. We need to see the Lord. And I want you to notice what Jesus does then in verse 33 or verse 34, then he called the crowd to him 
along with his disciples. This is a word for everyone. This is not just a word for only the disciples that are close to Jesus. This is a word for everyone who will follow Jesus. Jesus said, if anyone would come after me, he must deny himself, take up his cross, and follow me. For whoever wants to save his life will lose it. But whoever loses his life for me and for the gospel will save it. What good is it, Jesus says, for a man to gain the whole world yet forfeit his soul? Or what can a man give in exchange for his soul? Jesus said, if anyone's ashamed of me and my words in this adulterous and sinful generation, the Son of Man will be ashamed of him when he comes in his Father's glory with the holy angels. People, this is the turning point in the gospel. Jesus is calling the crowd. He wants everyone to get this. So I was praying and walking around, actually last night. I happened to look at our wall over here, and I noticed our four stained glass windows and the cross in the middle. And as I was looking at those over here, these windows that we have up here, they represent the four basic cardinal Beliefs that we have in the assemblies of God. Salvation, healing, the baptism of the Holy Spirit, and the second coming of the Lord. But I want you to notice they're all centered around the cross. It dawned on me, you know, that just in that day, they thought that the Messiah would come as a conquering uh, a conqueror and overthrowing Rome and setting up the kingdom of God with all these blessings for his people and judgment on others. No one pictured the cross, that Christ coming by way of the cross. No one. No one. No one pictured that Jesus would have to pay the price for our salvation. No one pictured that, that, that what we saw in Revelation, that he's the only one worthy to take and unroll the scroll because the Lion of Judah also is the Lamb of God. No one could picture that after Jesus has been crucified and risen from the dead and ascends back to the Father, that he would send the Holy Spirit to live in us and empower us to live and be witnesses for him. No one imagined that when Jesus came, that he would be coming again with a literal coming back to this world and establishing his kingdom in a literal, physical manner here on this world, that the righteousness of God would reign. People, we look forward to that day when we will encounter his kingdom. I can't even begin to imagine the glory and majesty that will be when Jesus splits the heavens and he comes and he gathers his people and then he'll establish his kingdom on this world. Everyone will be under the rule and the authority of Jesus Christ. But when Jesus first came to this world, he came not as the conquering king overall and bringing everything down and setting up his kingdom in a very physical way. He came as the suffering Messiah. And Jesus says something to them that if you're going to follow me, you also must be prepared to walk the path of suffering. 
Jesus is not saying that everyone who follows him will die a martyr's death. But he is saying that everyone who follows Jesus, that we have to deny ourselves, we have to trust him, we have to go after him. Sometimes we have questions in our life. Why the suffering? Why the hard times? Why the difficulties? Is there something wrong with my faith? Have I messed up? Is God angry at me? What in the world is going on? People, the path of suffering for us is also part of the path to glory. We need to understand that. And Jesus is saying, if you're going to follow me, there's a pathway. There will be places where you're going to stand for Jesus. It's not about getting all the toys and amassing everything and we can in this world. Jesus says that stuff's going to pass away. He said, I don't care if you had all the wealth of the world. It's not worth the value of your soul. Come follow me, Jesus says. And I, I will teach you how to reach others. Wow. This is the God we serve. He didn't come like people thought. It's an amazing thing. And then we come to the second story here. In chapter 9, it says, Jesus says, some of you aren't going to taste death before you see the kingdom of God come with power. What was he talking about? Well, six days after Jesus says this, he takes Peter, James, and John, these three disciples. He takes them with him and led them up a high mountain where they're all alone, and there he was transfigured before them. We know this today. We call it the Mount of Transfiguration. And there Jesus is transfigured before them. His clothes became dazzling white, whiter than anyone in the world could bleach them. And there appeared before them Elijah and Moses, who was talking with Jesus Peter says to Jesus, Rabbi, it's good for us to be here. Let's put up three shelters, one for you, one for Moses, one for Elijah. He didn't know what to say. They were so frightened. People, this is an amazing scene. Can you imagine? And then it says that a cloud appeared and enveloped them, and a voice came from the cloud, this is my son whom I love. Listen to him. Wow. Picture this scene with me. You talk about powerful. You talk about overwhelming and beyond words. Jesus has just told these disciples days before this, I'm going to die and rise again. They don't get it. They're not following this. What do you mean? You, you can't suffer. And now Jesus is saying, but you're going to get a glimpse of the kingdom of God and the power and what I have. And he takes these disciples up in the mountain. And while they're up there, the three of them, James, John, and Peter, there with Jesus. Suddenly, can you imagine? Jesus begins to just glow. They're going to get a picture of Jesus in His glory, the same glory that He had with the Father before He took on human flesh and came into this world. The glory that He's always had with the Father. And suddenly Jesus is there on this Mount of Transfiguration. People, you talk about an exciting day. I mean, these disciples are up there on the mountain and all of a sudden Jesus is starting to glow. And I mean glow. And I mean glow. I mean, he's getting so white you can't hardly look at it. He's just dazzling. He's, he's whiter than anything that even bleach will bring out. This thing is absolutely amazing. They're watching all of this. And then they see two others appear with him. Moses! 
Elijah. Wow. Representing the law and the prophets that are here with Jesus. And they're having a conversation and talking about what Jesus is about to face and what he's going to go through. And Peter, you know, there's sometimes we'd be better off just not to say something. But Peter's one of those guys, he doesn't know what to say, and he's, he talks before he thinks. And Peter's just watching all this. Let's build three tabernacles here. One for you, one for Moses, one for Elijah. I mean, this is amazing. We're not going anywhere. We're just going to live here. He just doesn't know what to say. But they're also so afraid. I mean, they're just shaking. It's like, this is amazing. Presence, power of God. And then it says a cloud enveloped them. And they recognize what that cloud means. In the Old Testament, it's the Shekinah glory of God. It came on the tabernacle, on the temple. It's the cloud of God's glory. Wow. And out of that cloud came a voice. The voice of God. And God said, this is my only son, whom I love. Listen to him. And suddenly, it's just the disciples and Jesus there on the mount. They weren't to share this experience till after the resurrection. But can you imagine? I try to. Jesus is saying, you got a picture of my glory. There is the glory of God that will come for those who follow Him. We will taste, we will experience, we will encounter the glory of God that can't be put into words. But people, the pathway to the glory of God also includes a pathway of suffering. We walk through this world and God hasn't come here just to drop everything on us and meet every need we want and just bless us and make us just feel good and patsy us and all of that. Jesus is saying, you've got to follow me. Be willing to deny yourself. It's not all about you. Live for me. Follow me. Preach who I am. Bring me to others. And it may cost you. Every one of these disciples would give their lives as a martyr, except John the Apostle. That's our understanding. It would cost them. But I believe every one of them would say, when I see the glory, it's worth it. You remember the first martyr in the book of Acts? Stephen. And just as they are raising and they're throwing, beginning to throw the rocks at him and they're ready just to kill him, Stephen's looking up into heaven and he says, I see Jesus, the Son of God, standing at the right hand of God. He began to get a taste and a glimpse of the glory to come. They didn't like it. They stoned him. And people, much of our world doesn't like Jesus. Much of our world has rejected the gospel of God. But how we answer this question, who do you say Jesus is? If we will answer, he's my Lord, he's my Savior. I receive him. I want to follow him. Then people, the life we will live, yes, there will be challenges. Yes, there will be hard places. But there will also be those places where God steps in and shows his glory 
There will be places where God steps in and brings his victory. And whether it costs us our lives to live for Jesus for now or not, we just need to follow him. And I want you to know it's absolutely worth it. It's absolutely worth it to follow Jesus. Because when we step into that doorway of death, in moments we will stand and step from this world with all its suffering and difficulties and challenges. And we will step in to the glory of God in a way we can't even imagine. And one of these days, Jesus is coming back. He's going to take all of those that belong to him here in this world. He's going to bring back with him all the saints that have gone ahead. And he will establish his kingdom, a kingdom of glory forever and ever and ever. And it's available to every one of us if we'll put our faith in Jesus Christ. Isn't that awesome? It's a path of suffering and of glory. In our Western culture, we don't like suffering. We don't even get the theology of suffering. Our idea is that God ought to bless us, give us more, give us bigger abundance. We ought to have perfect health, lots of wealth, lots of blessings, and no problems. But much of our Eastern cultures, the world understands. We have places in our world today where to make a decision for Jesus Christ may very well cost you your life or imprisonment. And they embrace it gladly to follow Jesus because he's Lord. Wow. I don't know the path that God will call you or me on. All I know is it's worth it to follow Jesus. What do we do? When Jesus doesn't meet our expectations, that's a place to run to him and say, Lord, I will trust you no matter what. I will follow you no matter what. Wow. Jesus calls us to come to know him. And he calls us to follow him. Let me wrap up with this. When Jesus first called the disciples, John 1, it says, they said, where, where are you staying at? Jesus says, come and see. When we are first invited to know Jesus, he's really saying, come and check me out. Come and see for yourself. Get a taste of who I am. And as we grow and we develop in the Lord, Jesus will take us to that next place where he says, come follow me. Come follow me. Wow. It's worth it to follow Jesus. I don't know where every one of us are at today in our walk. I look around this room and I see people that are believers and following Jesus. But even these disciples came to a place in their walk with the Lord where they had to go deeper, where they had to say, Lord, I'll follow you no matter what. And they were followers. But maybe those that are joining us today and say, I've never made that decision for Jesus. We would invite you. Come and see. Come and check out Jesus. Find that he's the Lord. He is absolutely
Wow. Wow. I don't know why I'm remembering this, but a couple days after I gave my life to Jesus, I'd been with my friends. They were doing the drugs. They were doing the alcohol. I was with them. And I said to him, you know what? I'm, I'm not going to do that right now. I, I gave my life to Jesus, and I'm really going to give this a try. I didn't understand. People, it was worth it. It was absolutely worth it. Jesus has come and changed my life, and I'm so glad. I've been walking with him all these years. It's not always been easy, but he's always been faithful. I want us to pray today. Heavenly Father, whether you're here joining us online, pray this with me. Heavenly Father, thank you for loving me, for loving us. Thank you that you, out of your incredible love, gave Jesus Christ to come to suffer on my behalf to pay the price for my sin, to go to a cross and be raised again so I could know forgiveness of sins and life. Thank you for calling, giving invitation to come and live for you and walk with you and know you more and more. And Lord, for the promise and hope that we will someday be with you in glory. Lord, that we will experience all of your glory and your majesty. Thank you, Lord. Lord Jesus, be Lord of all my life. Help me, Lord, to live for you. In Jesus' name, amen. We want to be able to thank our friends that are joining us online and would encourage you, please follow up with us. Let us know what Jesus is doing in your life, how we can help you grow in the Lord. We want you to know that God loves you and has a great plan for your life. Our heart is not just for us here, but it's to reach more in our world. We want you to know how much God loves you. God bless you.